In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would point your attention again to the, the last paragraph of the New Testament lesson from 1 John. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. The Word. Full disclosure moment. I'm going to ask you something of a trick question. Why do you hate the people that you do? Do you have good reasons to hate the people you do? Or even the groups of people that you hate? Are there some overreaching and compelling reasons, perhaps cultural, that you believe give you reason to hate? Or is it far more personal and unique, specific to the individual, what they've said, what they've done, how they've treated you? Is it something that just kind of is there in your life? Is something that's just always been there in regard to that type of person or that branch of the family or that division at work or that team? Or is it something thoroughly thought out and calculated and determined to be necessary for the reasons that you choose? Well, of course there are. Of course any of us being honest would answer, yeah, I've got a reason for harboring that hatred in my heart. It wouldn't be logical. It wouldn't make any sense if there weren't any reasons at all and it was just hate for the sake of hate. It's a hard subject, isn't it? It's not one I would have chosen to go down the road with uh, you this morning if it was all up to me, and yet... From the moment that I was reading through these lessons a few weeks ago in preparation for today, it was calling to me. It was, it was pretty much saying, this is, this is what we've got to talk about this morning. This is what we've got to think about. It's hard to hear statements made about hate and the hate that lives in us, the hate that we direct at others for whatever reason we choose to. And the fact that Hate is always darkness. will only lead us to walk around in more darkness. Because if we really are hating, we don't know where we're going because darkness has blinded us. So why are we having this conversation? 
Because Christians, we need to understand that there is never a moment when hate is not caustic, cancerous, destructive, leading to darkness. You know when you've been hated. I know when I've been hated. The people in your neighborhood that feel hate from you, they they understand what it is. People in the congregation, people in the workplace, wherever it might be, they might not always know exactly what to label it, but they know it's not comfortable, it's not happy, it's not positive. Hate always leads to further darkness, and if it's left to metastasize and grow, it will never accomplish anything of value, certainly not eternally. And so we need to be honest. We need to acknowledge and own, confess and repent all of our acts of hate even for those that we know deserved it in the moment. Maybe that was a sibling. Maybe it was more than just in childhood. Maybe it was just a few weeks ago that said that thing that always gets under your skin. Maybe it's that brother-in-law and his show-offy attitude about his promotions and his income and his retirement plans and all the other things that make you despise him. Who knows what it may be? We will always have excuses and reasons. We will always be able to salve our consciences and quiet our minds and our hearts by convincing ourselves that we have have good reason to feel the way we do about someone else, anyone else, individuals, groups of people. But the word leaves us no wiggle room here this morning. John speaks very directly to us. It's kind of like a slap to the front of the head, right between the eyes in a way that when we read it, we kind of just hope that's going to float across the room as words read during the lesson and not addressed again in the course of the service because, well, we just don't want to go there. It's just not comfortable. You know when you've been hated. I certainly know when I've been hated. Sometimes you know the reasons why. Sometimes you don't even have the slightest clue what you did or you said that causes someone else to just look at you with that contempt, with that condescension, with that uncertainty about why they should ever treat you as anything other than someone they would rather not deal with, if not outright despise for the rest of their lives. I've had the blessing, and I call it a blessing only in the rearview mirror, of having opportunities throughout my life and in my time in ministry of people looking me in the eye and telling me specifically the reasons why I'm hated in any given moment. And the reason I call that a blessing is because looking back on it, There are so many times in response that God has given me the blessing of someone else telling me that the very reason they love me and respect me is for the very same reason that someone else has told me that they hate me. What an amazing balance. Perhaps you've had that experience too. But it doesn't make the hate any less painful. It doesn't make the experience any less life-changing and altering. 
to know that there are those who just simply are going to look past you as an opportunity for relationship, for growth, for fellowship in Christ. I was raised in a family where I was taught from the littlest on that hate is always wrong. It's always a sin. I was taught to be colorblind. I was taught to embrace all cultures and circumstances with wonder and inquiry and intention, investment, to find out what makes other people different from the way that you are. And yet, despite all of that, I'm a hater. And I think if you are going to be honest, you would recognize and acknowledge the fact that the words spoken here are spoken to every single one of us. We just can't help it. We can't help it because our sinful nature is just that, natural. And hatred is natural. We live in a broken world. We expect hate to come our way. You do. I do. For all kinds of different reasons. I know I've given all kinds of people reasons to hate me. Intentionally or simply by who I am, what I represent, how I live my life. It's not a surprise to me when hatred comes my way. It's not something I'm looking for. But there's another element to it. I was also taught growing up how important it is to stand with those who are hated when the reason for their receiving that hate is standing up for something that's right. And we all know that experience very well. It seems as though at times Christians are becoming enemy number one in the world, the most hated of all. And yet we're never given permission, we're never given the allowance, we're never even given an inkling of a hint of a possibility that we ever have the right to respond to hate with hate. Isn't that interesting? how you and I have to come to terms with the reality of what John tells us here in a way that always has the arrow pointing back at us. Even when someone else is clearly hating us, we have no room, no opportunity, but just the opposite. And I can tell you from experience the most challenging Episodes I've had in ministry wherever I've served is helping people, Christians, find perspective when they find themselves unexpectedly or perhaps expectedly on the receiving end of hate from fellow Christians. It's one of the biggest challenges of our living our faith. One is fellow Christians that are demonstrating hate to us specifically for following the word. That is a very big challenge. When it's about attitudes or the most difficult of all. When a Christian has acknowledged sin, has apologized, has expressed their sorrow and contrition to a fellow Christian who tells them they're forgiven but makes them live that reality for the rest of the relationship. Even though it's been forgiven, it's certainly not forgotten. 
Those are challenging moments. Those are things to process through. And John gives us very specific advice about this. Look at the first paragraph of the lesson. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So John's the one that records Jesus telling us, love as I have loved you. Things like, they will know that you are my disciples. You, they will know that you are following me by the way that you love one another. And now John adds this idea. Whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus lived. Jesus was never a hater. Ever. Under any circumstance. In fact, Jesus was the embodiment of just the opposite. And you and I can't even begin to imagine the intensity of the hate that he faced throughout his entire life. And equal to it, the intensity of the temptations he must have faced to hate in response to that hate. Come on. Just imagine for a moment being one of Jesus' siblings. You know how you bristle. You know how you struggled in your childhood in regard to any of your siblings being placed ahead of you in any category. Whenever they tattled on you, whenever they instructed you or directed you, even if you had heard the words echoing from the other room from a parent, if it was another sibling delivering it to you, it caused you challenge. And yet Jesus was perfect. The perfect big brother in every way. Had to have been hard at times for his siblings not to hate him. The kids of the neighborhood, the kids of the synagogue, all kinds of people all along the way, in the face of perfection, perfect patience, perfect words, perfect love, perfect acceptance of responsibility to whatever was necessary in the moment. Perfect, perfect all the time. Perfect knowledge of what others were thinking. Perfect ability to speak the word, both law and gospel, to every soul that was standing in front of him. For all of those who loved him for it, there were just as many who hated him for it. To the point where in the last days of his life, he expressed without reservation, and he did not pull any punches, the truth about the religious leaders of his day very publicly in a way that their hatred grew and grew and grew until by the end of that last week the torturous treatment he received from those who would call themselves people of God and equally from those who were godless Gentiles working at the behest of those who call themselves the people of God, representing every human being that's ever lived in their beliefs and in their practices, gave him every reason to hate them for what they were doing to him to the point of death. And yet amongst his last words are words of forgiveness, of love, 
of understanding, of insistence that his Father forgive every last one of them. That's how you and I know that despite the fact that we've hated over and over and over again all of those acts of hatred, all of those words of hatred, every attitude of condescension or judgment has been paid for in the perfect blood of Jesus because to the last moment of his perfect life, he only loved, only loved. And now he's directed that love at you. He's given that love to you as a gift. He's given you light to see past Hatred. Hatred coming at you. Hatred that is just ambient around you because of the culture that you live in. You now have the ability to see the world with an open mind, an open heart, and a soul that desires to live as Jesus lived. Embracing every opportunity to show God's love through your patience, to show God's love through your kindness, to show God's love through your perspective in any moment coming at you, no matter how negative it might be, not because you're earning anything from God and not because somehow your nature has changed, not at all. That fight will continue. That civil war inside of you and me will continue to the very last breath that we breathe. And yet, along the way, the Word, the Savior speaking through His Word, the sacrament, the body and blood offered for our forgiveness and also for our strengthening for those moments of being on the receiving end of hatred. To not respond with hatred. God's the one that's going to be the light that changes the situation. And I know, because I share those concerns with you regarding this place and the changes of the last few years, and specifically the last year, how different everything is, and how do we go about showing our community what Christ is so that they join us here to hear more about him and connect with that word. Well, it's as simple as this. If every single person that connects with any of us that call ourselves the faith family or join us here for any activity never once experience a moment, a word, a gesture, an attitude of hate, ever, because Christ's love grows in our hearts and oozes out in our actions and our words, we will not have any challenge in setting ourselves apart as a place where people will want to go. Because the world is full of hate and condescension and judgment. And when we flip that around and recognize that no matter who's standing in front of us, no matter what they're saying, no matter what it may mean long term for any situation we may find ourselves in, that we're responding with love, with kindness, with the word as the answer. Living what Christ has been for us, living what Christ now is in us as the new people that he's made us. Well, dear friends, I am writing you a new command, but not a new command, rather, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. There's nothing new under the sun. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. In other words, every single day, we're going to be growing 
individually and as a body of believers to be more brightly shining the love of Christ and the light of his truth in the world around us. There will be more and more people seeing love and not hate, forgiveness and not vengeance, embracing opportunity rather than pushing it away to be transparent and loving, forgiving, truthful, to be what Christ has been for us. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know We are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You know you never want to be seen as a liar. And I'm not talking about the world in which we live. That that itself has its own consequences. I'm talking about that moment you stand before God. The reason you know you don't want to be considered a liar by him is you know he can see right through you to your back collar button. He knows you inside and out. He's with you every moment of every day. He hears every word. He sees every attitude. And he's called you to be different. He's called you to be different in response to his love for you, his payment for every last one of your sins, and his gift of righteousness that makes you right and holy and acceptable in your Father's sight for all eternity. And he asks you, point blank, in verses like this, does that mean something to you? Because if it does, you'll walk forward from a moment like this, conscious, intentional, of the words that you speak and the attitudes that you demonstrate, asking yourself often, could anyone ever see this as hate? Because if they could, that's not part of who I am or what I'm going to be, but rather the opposite. Am I showing the light that Christ is in me and has been for me with every word I speak. Because when it's all said and done, hate will only always lead to darkness, will always be darkness. And following Christ will only take a step by step, ever more certainly, to that eternal light and life that our souls long for, where no one, not us or anyone else, will ever experience hate again. Amen. Please stand. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.